Good evening and welcome to what I am reliably informed is episode 68 of the Podding Shed. Um, which means our next one, we can celebrate a glorious 69. Now, having said that and set the tone for the evening, uh, I'm joined tonight, I'm Tony, uh, otherwise known as Grocer Jack. Um, I'm joined by the marvellous Dr. Blue Bow, Bayou, indeed, um, who is... Any, uh, any approximation will be fine, in, Tony. Indeed, who is, who is Donal. Good evening, Donal. Good evening. And a very, very fine standing. We're a bit like the international break. Um, all our best players have buggered off somewhere else, so uh, we're the ones that have been left behind. But we have a fantastic person on board in the shape of um, Clayton Beerman, who's also known on Twitter as at Goalie59. Good evening, Good Clayton. evening. Yeah, good, good evening. Good, good to talk to you. Um, so it's been four weeks since our uh, our last podding shed, um, which is in tune with our usual frequency around this part of the season when people are still off on holidays and finding excuses to go out and finish the garden off. Um, half a week is a long time in politics. Four weeks in football um, is even longer. However, I suspect that that four weeks at the end of the season is even more torturous than the last four weeks we've been through. Um, just looking back on those four weeks, it's been a pretty turbulent time for us, for Manchester United, Manchester City, with City having a blip, with United looking like they were going to um, recreate uh, an Alex Ferguson style, we will just grind out results and end up at the top before Arsenal put them back on their arse on Sunday, and, um, uh, and, and Tottenham doing the usual stuttery start to the season. And of course, one thing we didn't expect from this four weeks is probably to see Chelsea scrabbling around in the bottom half of the table. Um, uh, usually, uh, it's unusually still sticking out the it's a bit of a dodgy start thing. Um, I have only one burning question that's come up in the last four weeks and that is why uh, Liverpool um, haven't got Brendan Rodgers bidding for Robert Peston on the news that he was prepared to leave the BBC. Um, moving on from that, um, I think we're going to talk pretty much straight away about the Southampton game. Um, being as it's the most recently um, etched piece of torture in our memories. Um, and from that, we'll be flicking in and out of all the other games, which are Newcastle, Walsall, Porto. I dare say some stuff from uh, last season will come up, and also some Evergate. Um, so I'll hand it over, I think, first of all, to Clayton, because he was there on Saturday. Um, with can, I just, can I just say, Tony, uh, oh. as, as a person who normally provides the music... Um, I did have a pair of coconuts, which I've misplaced. Because obviously, this whole podcast has to take place with the sound of a clopping in the background. But I, I'd, sorry, Clayton, you carry on. No, that's, that's, that's fine. I'm always used to following a pair of coconuts. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Saturday, 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 Saturday. Um, as... As you and I gathered at half time, we were very happy and, and thinking, well, this isn't too bad. We look good for half an hour um, and had absolutely no idea of what was to follow. I, I, I got the impression, I mean, we started off well, we scored a goal. And when we scored a goal, it seemed like a switch went on and we just stopped playing. It was just extraordinary. Um, lots of individual errors in the second half and we played like a team who have no confidence and we played we looked like a relegation team um, and it, it, it was sort of indicative that the players were scared second and third goals were absolutely awful and we nearly conceded a fourth goal when Mane for somebody who is half the size of Gary Cahill managed to push him out of the way um, it's just very strange I don't really understand it um, I don't know if you've got any views um, Donald what 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 you think? 
Um, well, <laughs> who knows? It, it is astonishing to see a team that, that you know won the league fall apart quite as badly as they seem to be at the moment. Um, you know, obviously City last year um, at times weren't tearing up any trees, but I don't think you know they were missing key players, or you could identify Yaya Toure and company as, as you know not on form and. Perhaps we thought at the beginning of the season that Hazard was not quite doing it and Fabregas, but, you know, that they'd all start to, to play. But it, it seems to be going the other way. And <clears throat> it seems difficult not to think that that, that there's, there's a, a more deep-seated problem. Uh, you know, this, this nervousness about the play, this um, inability to, to, to get any rhythm and consistency through a game, you know, Against Newcastle, they were they were flat until maybe the last ten minutes, weren't they? Against Porto, they they seemed to be in and out of the game. You know, there were periods where they looked like they were well in contention, and then suddenly there'd be a ten minute spell where Porto just seemed to batter them. Um, it, it's it's difficult to put your finger on. You know, the midfield seems to have gone missing. Um, lots of individual errors and 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 poor individual performances. So. What's at the what's at the heart of it? Who knows? But it, it it seems to have been there since you know the summer. I mean, you could actually, I think, make an argument that the seeds of, of this poor form have been there since the run into the title. You know that the last few months of of, of last season didn't really set things alight and. Understandably, we all thought, well, it's 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 the nerves, it's it's the getting this over the line, and then once they've won the title, they'll they'll have the confidence and 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 grow and start to open up again. But in fact, it's it's gone the other way, mystifying. I tend to agree, actually. I think when we, I remember back to the Mourinho, the first Mourinho era, and that team, which overtook Arsenal around about Christmas time, I think, the Arsenal who had been the invincibles the year before. And um, went on and just grew in confidence as the season went on until, you know, ultimately it, it didn't even look in doubt. And then followed it up the following season with with a, the similar approach. It was almost like, you know, I think Peter Kenyon uh, came out with that famous quote of, you know, this year the Premier League champions will come from a pool of one team, um, which was us. And, and the whole club seemed to exude that. And what I saw on, on Saturday... Um, and I, I, I was probably a bit nervous when I spoke to Clayton because I kept thinking at 1-0, we, 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 we had stopped playing. We, we seemed to be sitting off the Southampton uh, players and yet when we did try and move the ball forward, they were into us. And I've noticed this with teams this season. They are right in on us. They've got two people on hazard straight away. Whereas we seem to, seem to be persisting with this, and I know it's Mourinho's style, to sit back, to let the, let, let, let the play happen in front of us. And I think teams have wised, you know, they've wised up to this a little bit. The second half, um, I didn't think we played until the last 10 minutes when Pedro came on, really, when that started to really liven things up a little bit, by which time the damage was done. Um, and, it, and it sort of takes me to further points, is that not only did the team look not confident, there's this persistence from Jose in, uh, in picking players who are patently out of form. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of um, Ivanovic you know the year he came in I think it was Avram Grant brought him in um, uh, over the January period along with Nicholas and Elka I believe you know back in, 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 his, in, in his term his only term 
And I always thought Ivanovic was a bit like I consider the badger, a bit of a made-up species. You never see it. You know, it's, it's never there. The only times you ever see them are when they're dead on the bloody roadside. And, you know, I'm just convinced that's another animal that's ever white paint's painted of it. Um, but he's turned out to be a really reliable defender over the years. Um, but this season, he's, he's dropped... I, I mentioned it last time, I think, that players at this level don't tend to go back down the leagues. They don't tend to fade away. They seem to drop off a cliff. And sadly, I think that JT is looking a little like that as well. He's not. There was a questions to my comments about whether it's this is his last season. Um, and people saying, well, he might have been a bit rusty. He'd had a couple of games out, in which case he shouldn't have been playing. Um, especially against the front line of, of pretty fast players. And that Mane is a bloody fast player. Um, where we needed pace at the back. And it just, I just felt that, um, as much as I love JT, it looked to me, or it looks to me more and more like the game is passing him by. And that no matter how much football intelligence you have, even if you have little pace, you can probably get away with it. But there comes a point where your pace is, you know, is an important part. And I think he's getting left behind. I think we saw it in Frank Lampard's last year a little bit as well, where he was starting to tug on shirts and, and what have you, because he just couldn't keep up with the game. Um, hmm. so it's interesting. That's just my two points. But other than that, the players like Hazard, and, and there were times on Saturday when Hazard in the second half and in the first half did what he did best. He took on players, he ran at them, got past them, got down to the byline, only to find he was the most forward player. There was no one hmm. there. Yeah, you know, I don't know if Clayton saw it, but certainly there were times when you were looking for a cross, and there was no, not a Chelsea player in the box, not a Chelsea player in there. I, th- I think that what there's a couple of points just to pick up on what yeah, you were sorry. saying. I, th- I think the first thing is that yes, teams have worked us out, and I think uh, as Donald alluded to, I think that was happening after, um, perhaps it was after the Tottenham game that we mm. don't mention. Mm. Um, but I think what's Worrying is the fact that whereas teams had potentially worked us out last year, we found a way to win. There, there was still that 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 spirit and and the sort of the fight in the team. This year, I haven't seen us fight for anything. Um, I saw us beat Arsenal. I thought we were very very good that day. I thought we did all the things that we normally do. Um, we were lucky because we were we were playing against the one team because the manager is so myopic and so stupid. Um, the one team that didn't target Branner, the one team that didn't target Fabregas. Um, as for picking out of form players, I think this is where Jose is, is for the first time is losing a bit of sympathy because I think you can look at the players and think they're not performing, they're not doing what they normally do and there's lots of reasons for that and we'll come on to that um i mean i think southampton was a fantastic example of what we were and we are no longer they were they were fast they were strong um and basically they they just got at us they had big guys in midfield i mean Mourinho teams don't get bullied but we are we have been bullied all season um but sort of just going back to 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 the point you talk about Newcastle. Um, you you have to look at teams and say if they're two 0 down and they and they come back, 
and they score two goals to to um, to save the game in the last 10, 15 minutes. That's great team spirit. Mm. But we only got back in that game because of a worldy goal from one of the most infuriating bloody players ever to put on a blue shirt. <laughs> a, Brazi- a Brazilian who can't pass. A Brazilian who can score some of the best goals you'll ever see. And just can't do the, the... I mean, he was atrocious on Saturday after yeah. being so good against Newcastle when he came on. Um, so it, it is worrying that there, there, there doesn't seem to be a rescue plan. Um, um, we'll talk about Mourinho um, later. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is a concern that we don't seem to have a plan B, which is something you'd never, ever accuse Jose of, of, of before. Donald. What do you think? I, I tend to agree with Clayton there. I think this is the first time I've seen Jose looking, not like Wenger in terms of style of play, but almost like that lost soul on the side thinking, there is no plan B, I have nothing else mm. to offer. I don't know what your feelings are, Donald. I'd like to hear them, though. I do think, um, I think I mentioned it on the previous podcast, that I had a, a feel, some sort of feeling the first time he was here, that, and it's it's an idea that I'm now not. I don't mean that I originally thought it. And everyone else now thinks it in the same way that one blue tit pierced a bottle of milk, and then all around the world people came to their doorstep and found that their milk bottles were torn open. But I I do remember thinking it at the time um, that his his intensity and his style perhaps creates a sort of mental staleness in players. And I, am I wrong in? Th- thinking that when he left we we had a, a string of injuries players who played a lot of games and been very consistent suddenly got seemed to get injured I, I don't know if, it, if something about his methods it's hard to sustain that you know season in season out and maybe some of these players are starting to feel the pressure of the way they have to play to, to fit in with the Mourinho system and one criticism I would have of the Mourinho system as it seems to, to work or has worked in the last couple of seasons is that for the amount of possession we have, we the ratio of possession to you know shots on target is very small. And and it seems to have been that way for quite a long time. That you know, even when we're doing well, even when we're dominating, we still don't put the ball on goal as often as you would expect. And lesser teams with less possession do that. Um, you know, that's not necessarily a criticism, it's an observation. So that when when you're not on top, when things aren't going so well, your failure to get the ball on target is going to cost you because now we're shipping two goals a game on average. Mm. And we don't score more than a goal or two a game and even last season, there were very few games where we racked the goals up. And against teams when we're well on top, you know, we might get three or four, but probably no more than that. Mm. And, you know, in the Ancelotti double season, we were, we were scoring for fun. I'm not comparing him to Ancelotti. I'm just saying that there are styles of play that have every style of play has its weakness. And perhaps Mourinho is one is if, if it's not on song, if it's not if your defence starts to creak or let you down, you, the idea of never over-committing players into the box, of playing a certain way, of always concentrating on the ball, keeping the ball, 
just you know perhaps that's something that that's that's coming back to haunt us because most of the goals we've scored in the last couple of weeks have been really free kicks. Yeah, and I think it's there's a point there. You do wonder whether you know Mourinho's teams are built on not conceding, aren't they? That's, that's that, you know that's 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 quite key to him. Is is not defensive. It's just being very good at defending, and you wonder whether that's like the hub behind. That, that makes everything else tick and if that isn't working nothing else works whereas other teams may be a little bit um, more free-flowing in, in different areas of, of the pitch or whatever so that if one bit isn't working they can bypass that or they, they have ways around it um, you know City you know, for example are definitely not very good defensively at the moment didn't matter a jot against Newcastle they did it you know, mm-hmm. they go a goal down and then they just smash them to pieces. And, and you know, I think the last time, we were talking about this in the, in the club room on Saturday before the game, you know, the last standout performance where we all were thinking, my God, this is really working, was probably Swansea last year when we dumped them 5-0. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and after that, it all seemed to go just a little bit more controlled, a little bit more mechanical. And yes, it got us the, the, the title, but there were times when you're thinking, Do you know what, this team we're playing here are dire and we could be tearing up the bits but we're, we're not I seem to remember Mourinho once saying in his first tenure that you don't need to you don't need to beat a team more than 3-0 even if you can you know you don't want to humiliate mm. the other side which is a, a weird philosophy because of course from a fan's perspective you do want to humiliate the other side you want to humiliate whoever you're playing doesn't matter if it's Walsall you want to put them in their place and if it's Arsenal you want the bragging rights and when you give them a 6-0 stuffing like we did a couple of years ago it feels fantastic. It, you know, it, it, it's something you know you, you, you'll always have. So I, I do wonder whether you're, the, the point you're making there about Mourinho's style and whether not, I mean, I take the view that um, you know there's a lot of as I've called them and, and it's been on the sort of fan cast. I call them bedwetters and nappy shitters. You know, the people out there that are giving it the Mourinho must go. He's lost it. I think if anybody's earned the right to go through a their first career troublesome patch to this degree and try and work their way through it it's him mm. I, you know and my my case has always been who else is there you know we talked about this again on saturday there is we've, who we've, else is there we can hear the sound of coconuts in the <laughs> <laughs> but i mean you know it's, it's always a magazine and, and would he make any, I mean, he'd have the same group of players to work with. I know that the... the, the kind yeah, but you, you, of psycho- you're about to touch on the big yeah. question. Has yeah. he lost the dressing room? That's the big question. If, if, it's, if players are out of shape, out of form, you know, if, if it means that he's got to sort of play a season with some youth and, you know, people like John Terry and Cale and, and one or two others are not going to figure as much as we thought they would, all well and good. But surely, has he lost the dressing room is well, the big question. I, I'm not saying he has, but that, that, that's what it comes down to yeah, in the end. Because yeah. if he has, I, how, do you get, how do you get that back? I was basically... If you, look, if you look to us, if, you, if it was any other team playing like we're playing at the moment, your first thought would be they're not playing for the manager. Because you look at the side and there's, there's no vitality. I think we have for the first season that Jose came back, we had that problem that we were doing the ticky-tacky thing and we weren't shooting and we weren't making keepers, you know, work very hard. The second season, obviously last year when we won the league, the beginning of that season we were tearing teams to pieces 
And the only reason we stopped playing like we were playing is because what happened at Tottenham. But you was know, that a mistake, Clayton, to, to stop and and, and stop No, I, well, it wasn't. I, I think what it was, was I think the first half of that season was a freak. It wasn't how Mourinho's teams play. Yeah. He just basically let them play like that. And it worked. We, we, were, we were outstanding. All of our players were on top of their game. Costa hit, hit his straps when he first joined. And, and we were scoring goals for fun. It was absolutely superb. But then the Tottenham experience happened and Jose probably said, see, I told you, that's what happens if you play like that. We're going to play like we play. I mean, fine, but, but we still have that. So going back to whether he's lost the dressing room, I don't think he's lost the dressing room. Um, I was listening to uh, Gab Marcotti on, on the Times podcast and he was basically saying that he was speaking to a couple of Chelsea players as recently as last week and they said no. It's just, that that's not the case. So I don't I don't think it's the case, and I do actually think that whatever we I know that we don't ever hear from our our owner, um, but I think if he knew that, I don't I don't think Jose would be there now. Um, well, he was, he was down at Cobham on Monday, wasn't he? They had a, a meeting there. Well, they had a board he, he meeting and, after the game, didn't they? Yeah, yeah but yes, he also went did, down yeah. to he made a visit to Cobham on Monday, apparently. Um, well, I, I, along, I was, along with several other yeah. big wigs from Chelsea, um, and apparently, you know, normally when Roman goes to Cobham in these circumstances, it can only end one way. But um, it, apparently, they've had a meeting and seem to apparently uh, warm handshakes at the end or embraces or whatever. So maybe he's reassured himself that you know, provided. He's still got the players with him. It's a matter of, you know, getting the team choice right and making whatever adjustments. Uh, I, 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 I tend to go with that. I tend to think that uh, Roman, you know, from what I can gather, is, is much more hands-off these days simply because his focus is on the ground and on the plans for the ground, you know, and, and trying to push that through as his kind of legacy, if you like. Uh, Marina Granovskaya is the one who... And, and if you look at our website, she is the owner's representative on the board. She does the player transfer negotiations. She's our chief exec in all but name. Okay, oh. and um, uh, she was instrumental in getting Jose back. And it, and and I, I think it's easy for people to run away with conspiracy theories about he's lost the dressing room, Eva Gate. You know, I mean, I, I, I've no doubt that the Eva Canero thing it was badly handled. I said that in the last podcast. I thought Jose got it wrong. He shouldn't have gone public. He should have apologised publicly afterwards. And someone in the club should have banged their heads together and said, sort this out. She's not going anywhere. She's going to be on the bench. You are going to have to put up with it. Grow up. Um, That sort of stuff. Along with, um, if you think about it, we made public bids for uh, John Stones. That was a failure in the end because we probably did too little too late. Um, We were in the hunt for Pogba, by all accounts. Uh, and again, those players that are in our... Oh, blimey. Sorry, something's gone wrong. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> yeah, oh, those players that are in our squad. Um, yeah, let's look at our, our back four. are probably thinking, right, so they're... they're you know, do do they look at it as, this is great, they're trying to strengthen, or do they look at it and think, well, what, was, what did I do so wrong last season that Stones has got to come in? Oscar must be thinking, well, if it, the rumour was we were going to offer Oscar for Pogba and money. Okay, which I think would be a fantastic move. I, I've I've not seen anything from Oscar to suggest he's going to be 
the shining light that um, our, our temporarily departed friend Mark thought he was going to be. You know, he was going to be our playmaker. Um, he, you know, he's in and out of games or whatever. Um, and, and he frustrates me because he had a glorious chance to shoot on Saturday and he played a shit pass across the goal and there was no one near anybody. And that, the stand I was in was up in arms. We were like, for God's sake, test the keeper. You're good enough. But I do wonder whether those things... It's, it's, it's the old points make prizes thing, you know, that, that, that there's the treatment of Eva Canero there's, and John Fern. Let's not forget John Fern, who, you know, let's face it, is still at the club and is still doing his job. Um, there is the, the whole thing about we're going to make public moves for these new players to come in, which must, at, at some point, make certain players think they're under threat or their position is under threat. Okay, um, and, and I think all players should compete for their positions anyway. Um, I think the departure of Philip Luis was a mistake. I genuinely think that was a terrible mistake because um, we would have had a right back this season and a very good left back. I thought he was a, a, a really good player and, and the more he played, the better he got. So I, I do think that there's, uh, it's easy to say he's lost the dressing room. It could just be there's a, the, there's a whole number of factors that are influencing the, the mood, the spirit in the dressing room. You get a couple of defeats, and teams do perform badly. City didn't set anything on fire last season after winning the championship. And we've seen United teams um, in the past, especially during their, uh, quote marks, transitional years, when they didn't win anything and had some iffy seasons, and still managed to finish in the top three or four. So I, I do think people are pushing the panic button. I've been, you know, sur- I've surprised myself at how calm I've been. I mean, I lost my complete rag, as you probably all saw from my tweets over the, the cost of crimes thing from the Arsenal game, because I thought that was uh, a complete injustice. But that was the FA my ire was directed to in that particular case. Certainly, when I look at the club as it is at the moment, I still think um, it's a matter of time that something will click. We're like a McLaren engine that's not performed for, you know, but someone will turn the right spanner at some point and boom, we'll be back. And we may not be setting things on fire and we may not be the most attractive team, but we will steady the ship and start taking it forward. And that's just I mean, my feeling, you know. I, I think that if we can, for once, just stick with a manager, now I wouldn't have said this about AVB, Big Phil and... Possibly yeah. one other who I can't remember, but if for once we just—I mentioned last night on on the fancast that basically I remember in 1983 where Ken Bates had uh, John Neal as his manager, and at the end of the season where we just about managed to stay up and not go down to the old third division, he made the decision to keep the manager and get rid of the players. And to be perfectly honest with you. Um, if the players aren't performing, and I don't care who they are, um, get rid. Yes. I, I, I'd rather keep Mourinho at least for another year to see. I mean, if it happens again next year, then then you review it then. But I think I'd, I'd like... He, he has said himself, this is uncharted territory. Not this was before it was all going tits up. But he just said, I've never been anywhere and created the dynasty. I want to create a dynasty. I want to do this. Well, fine, Let, let's give him a chance to do that. If yeah. we don't qualify for the Champions League, you know, we'll have to see what happens from there. I think one of the problems, and, and Daniel alluded to it at the beginning, is the slow start down to the, the late training, and we've never picked up from there. But I think one of the fundamental problems that we had was that we didn't freshen the squad. We didn't bring anybody in 
and the continual picking of players who are underperforming means that nobody is being challenged for their place. And somebody like Branner, who seems to me like a, a really honest professional, who's probably embarrassed by the way he's playing at the moment, and if he isn't, he should be, um, is basically thinking, well, it doesn't really matter how badly I'm playing, I'm still going to get picked. He so, made him captain the other day, so it's not as though it's just he's just it's, well, hanging I mean, on to, to his honest, place. He made him captain. Yeah, but but that's that's the fundamental problem. We've got no leaders. Who who else is he going to give it to? There's nobody out there to give it to. I mean, that is the problem. Uh, and I, I I do agree. I think let's go back going back on on your point, um, Clayton, about. Um, you know the change of managers and building a dynasty. I mean, Mourinho said that in his challenge, didn't he? He said, you know, "If they sack me now, then everything they told me when they re-recruited me was a lie. The bad results, you blame the manager, out goes the manager, and you're back in that cycle again." Now that cycle, as people have argued, has been pretty successful. But the fans—I don't know any fans who like. I don't want to be a, a, another Real Madrid who change managers every three years for the sake of it. You know, they had no reason to get rid of Ancelotti at the end of the season. They still did. Because of their whole political system around the football, there. Oh um, uh, yeah, but who did they bring in though? You can't, you can't miss those sort of opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, um, but I, I, I still look at this and think, you know, Mourinho made a very good point. He, he's been bought, bought back for a specific reason. Uh, Marina uh, was a very, very key part of that um, conversation to get him back to try and put some stability into the club, and, and I think I would hope. I would like to think that that Marina is sitting there with Roman Abramovich saying, "Keep out, stop panicking. You're not sacking him. We're going to keep. We're going to stick with it. Trust my judgment." And if you read her bio, she's been his right-hand person for quite a few number of years, going back to his oil company or gas company, Sibneft or, or whatever. So he, you know, he obviously has his. He, she's obviously a very trusted lieutenant, um, and I think. You know, that's that. This is my view. I mean, they did take a very unusual step. Chelsea have never gone public and said we support the manager. I don't even think they did it in Bates's day. Um, so to come I, out, I of that, think, sorry, Tony. I think somebody said that Bates actually came out and, and gave. Uh, it might have been Dan Levine. Bates gave Ranieri um, his full backing, and he was there for another three years. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, very rare. Very uh, rare. Uh, 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 but someone did raise the fact that it's a bit of a myth that this whole vote of confidence means you're going to go or whatever. I, I think it's yeah, it's, it's it's another nice piece of um, press spin or something like that. It's it's just another little meme to latch onto, which is probably not backed up by fact. I think in this particular case, the wording of the statement from Chelsea was very interesting. We believe we have the right manager and the right squad with which to to do it. Or it was along them lines. Um, and now you can pick over wordings as much as you like. Um, the, the right squad bit I read as you're not getting anything money wise, and it could be that you know we have, we have to tighten belts not for FFP but for the new ground. You know that the the the, the, the pot, we, we've generated this model of getting players and you know generating revenue through loans and selling players on or whatever. Um, so maybe the money wasn't there for Pogba. I think if we were going to go in for Pogba and Stones, we should have just done it the minute we stopped the coach tour. The minute we got off to go on holiday, someone should have been there saying we want him and we want Stones Everton and we're going to keep on it until but we. Decide. To be honest, Tony, do you, do you not think that some of this going public late in the summer was? a response perhaps to having reached an impasse, you know, in, in in quieter approaches and that they felt the only way they could 
you know, either one, achieve oh, yeah. to achieve, or two, prove that they were trying to get players, yeah. um, was, was to go public. I mean, th- there's a belief, uh, perhaps, with, with the success in bringing in players in, in, in years gone by, that somehow if Chelsea want a player, they're going to get them. And certainly Everton have, have not been averse to um, selling key players you know, when the when the big bucks are on the table, and so the John Stones thing is, is intriguing as to why they dug their heels in this time round. You know, they sold Rooney, they sold Fellaini, they sold all sorts of players when they felt they can get the right money for them. So something obviously went wrong with, with the Stone situation. I, I find it difficult to believe, given the planning that they've put in over the years, or so we all believe, um, that they would suddenly start rushing around to get stones unless there was someone else that they were originally targeted and couldn't get. Mm, Um, You know, and and the sort of, oh, well, Jose's in a funk because he hasn't been backed up by them getting the players he wants. You know, I know Mourinho is is on the books of of, uh, Jorge Mendes, who, who basically... You know, seems to be in on every deal that happens in football, and, and perhaps deep down believes that, you know, if I want a player, then he can be got. I, but I'd be surprised because he's been around football surely long enough to know that sometimes you can't get the player when you want him. Juventus didn't want to sell Pogba for whatever reason, so they're not going to sell him. And you know, we can throw a hundred million at it. And let's face it, if we spend a ninety million on a player, you know. No matter how good he is, that's still ninety million quid. That's an oh, awful yeah. lot of money. You, you've got to do an awful lot, yeah. you know. And his knee goes about the third yeah. game in. We'd all be going, oh, maybe we should have gone for I, something. I, yeah. And I, I do agree. I think you know, we, we, it's a, it's a joy, isn't it, to to uh, support a club that um, has a. Uh, a kind of Russian owner, and is still is 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 probably slightly more open than it was when it had an English owner in Ken Bates about its sort of transactions and, and what it's going to do. Um, I, I guess from my point of view, like we, we've mentioned Pogba, we've mentioned Stones. So there was patently, you know, I, I'll just put my perspective on for Southampton as for Arsenal. We needed pace at the back. We didn't have it apart from Azpilicueta. Um, what about Kurt Zuma? Yes, exactly. Kurt Zuma would have been much better. I think he would have been able... I don't think Mane would have shrugged him off and I don't think he would have got past him quite as easily um, because, you know, let's, let, we all remember the chase back from Zuma when, when Theo Walcott was in full flight bearing down on us and he caught him and took the ball off him. Mm. Um, and, and Theo Walcott is no... Um, you know, he's hardly a jogger, is he? Let's, put, no. let's put it that way. So, you know, for me, that was a mistake. Now, whether it was JT or Cahill that, that was sacrificed for him... Um, I don't know. Um, we spent uh, money on uh, Baba Rahman, who I believe played every game for Wolfsburg last season, um, mm. and yet we still don't seem to trust him at left back. And Jose has come out and said he hasn't adapted properly yet. Um, and and I really think could he do any worse? And as Pelliquetta, who is a natural right back and had a really good game Saturday, was one of the few players that I held up as coming out of that game with any credit. Um, you know should, who should be in at right back. So yeah, I look at those and think, well, I, you know, I'm not Jose, I'm not a manager, but those were fairly obvious things there. Southampton have got a, a pretty fast um, forward line pace coming at you, and that Mane is like a whippet. Um, and, and there's, there's very few teams in the Premiership now that don't have. I mean, the game appears to have moved towards this sort of, you know. Uh, of course, it, 
teams always had pace men and, and always played a certain way, but there does appear to have been a, a fairly... And, and maybe this is one of the things that, that Mourinho is struggling with. Perhaps this, the change in the game to... As we saw with the Tottenham game last season, you know, getting straight onto the, the holding midfielder, going past them, either by speed or playing the ball into the spaces behind, you know, go almost bypassing midfield, not by lumping it long to the big man, but by two or three quick passes on the break. We're being suckered in and then banged on the break more times than, I mean, Porto just tore them apart the other night at times. Yeah, you know, they pressed. They Porto pressed the ball hard, and and that's a feature I've noticed with the Portuguese teams we've played over the years. They do press. You know, on 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 their their good nights, they press really well. They pressed the ball hard. We kept giving it up within two or three passes. It wasn't just passing. It was it was guys able to run with the ball at speed at players and go past one player in the setup you're almost straight onto the back four a back four that doesn't have pace and yeah I, there were times against Porto where we looked way out of it and and that's been a feature I think of even Newcastle you know because Newcastle up their game went at us with a bit of with, with a bit of pace and a bit of tempo the, the setup either it's the individual players or it's the way they're set up it just cannot cope. And I think there's been a change in the way teams are playing now. Obviously, they've all gone to their UEFA coaching conferences and, and you know, the, the game has slightly altered tactically in the way it's played, you know, which people like myself couldn't put their finger on or understand. But even average, what you'd call average teams now, all have this sort of setup where they, they, they can move the ball with pace on the floor, run at... Yeah. Target players run at them, yeah. move the ball past them one way or the other, and they're straight on to you. And and we're not coping with that. Play, I think that, what do you think? Sorry. I think that that that, that Donald's hundred percent correct. And I think for me that's the most worrying thing is the fact that everybody can see this. Everybody can see that other teams have developed. Everybody's got somebody big in midfield. Well, we've got Matic, but he's off his game at the moment. Everybody's got somebody pacey. Well, actually, we've got Hazard. So we have got the players. They're just not playing. Yeah. But teams like Crystal Palace this year were excellent. Southampton were excellent. But they've got us worked out, and we are not doing anything to change it, which I find is particularly worrying. Now, bring in, bring in the youth now, or bring in the, the subject of the youth, because yes. you're yes, quite which right. Is on, the, on, my, on my agenda, I have got time for the kids. So Time for the night, kids. Well, that, was, that would have been a perfect segue into that section, had I not wanted to take credit <laughs> for the fact that I did have that down as a, an agenda. No, that, that's fine, that's fine. You, you take credit. I, I, I can see your notes from here. Um, <laughs> you see, in, in football terms, Tony... We were on the fast break there, but yes. you had to dawdle on the ball, take the take the extra touch, go back and beat the player twice, <laughs> slowed the whole thing down. Everyone's got back behind the ball, yeah. and now you know we're, yeah. we're we're huffing and puffing again. Yeah. All right. And and this is my point exactly. <laughs> oh dear! C- carry on, Clayton, while I chuckle quietly in the background. Well, yes. Um, so 
I think the point is that we are not going to do anything spectacular this season. At the moment, we're stuffing up Rowley. And I'm not saying that you should bring in X number of players to, to replace what we've got at the moment. But obviously, we have got Kennedy, who looks the real deal. Um, we've got Loftus Cheek, who I believe Jose said will start the next game and be given a run of games, which is quite interesting. What will be very interesting is to see who he replaces. Now, obviously, Matic is in a bit of a mess at the moment, but my theory is that Matic is in a mess because he's doing everybody else's job. The way that the team is set up at the moment, if you've got Matic and Fabregas, Matic is going to spend his whole time covering for Fabregas. Um, Fabregas is a, is a fabulous player and was brilliant for us last season, but he is struggling in a struggling team. I feel ever so sorry for Pedro because Pedro is a fabulous player and he must think what on earth is going on yes. because people are having a go at Pedro and saying he's not this and he's not that. Well, he's been, he's, I think he's played five, six games. Um, you need to get used to the pace and, and when you come into a struggling team, you, you struggle yourself. So, you know, I think we do need to introduce Kennedy. I think we need to introduce um, Loftus-Cheek. The thing about Bubba, I don't know if you read um, the, the quotes. I don't know how old they were, but yes, he said he wasn't ready yet, which, again, it begs the question, when you're talking about the Stones bid and the Pogba bid, they were all late. That That's why it was such a stuff-up, because... Why would Everton sell a player that they couldn't replace? Yeah. If, if they'd sold him in June, they would have had two months to replace him, but not when they, you know, the end of August. Um, so the thing about Bubba, it's understandable, but he is wedded to, to Branner. He doesn't want to lose his height at set pieces. That's fine. We'll stick Branner in the middle then. You know, do do something else with him. But, but the point is that you've got this young guy who, as you say, played in the Bundesliga last year. How bad can he be? Exactly. You know, he's, he's got to be good. And the fact of the matter is that you bring in these guys because the other guy, the guys that are there now are not doing it and, and they need to, they, they, there needs to be a shake-up. There really does. So not wholesale youth, but, um, but, but there, there really does have to be some, something has to happen. And has it ever been a case that left and right backs needed to be tall? I mean, Ashley Cole was no towering giant, was he? Well, that's uh, why he didn't want him in the first place, wasn't and it? And as, as Piliqueta is, what he, you know, so th- this idea that he loses the height that Ivanovic gives him, when you've got Zuma, Terry and Cahill, uh, you know, all six footers plus, uh, in, the, in, you know, in, in his centre pairings or, or, or whatever, I'm, I'm not quite sure the argument that he's used himself about, you know, one worried about losing, you know, from six foot to five foot ten, it makes that much difference. I don't think Falcao's that tall, but he won every aerial header he went up for on Saturday. I was amazed. That was bonkers, wasn't it? It was like, he was like Zebedee. Yeah, and it was amazing. He was going up against much taller players, but I was staggered at how good he was. I mean, you know, it, and I was quite... Warm bright, he, he, you know, he he was in the wrong places like a lot of our strikers seem to be for when we move the ball forward or whatever. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to give him a little bit of time. He, he's working his way back in, and he might get more game. He's certainly going to get more game time with Costa's um, uh, rather short fuse. Uh, I I just do not buy the argument that Raman uh, Baba Raman is is not tall enough. He's a left back. Can he run with the ball? Can he defend? That you know, I'm frustrated when I see players out of position not at left back or right back and players and acres of space as we saw on Saturday um, 
Mazpilicueta, who was pretty much trying to be a back four player from one side of the park to the other, as far as I could see. Um, you know, so it, it is frustrating. I, 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 on the point of the kids, and, and and the reason I put it on the notes was really because, you know, we we've had this academy system running for you know uh, since since time immemorial it seems, um, and um, under the, it was certainly under the Danish chap, wasn't it? I can't remember his name now. Who's who, Arneson? Arneson, Arneson, whatever. Uh, who got to set it up, and we've yet to see anything come through for us. Other than potentially now Rubens Loftus Cheek, I mean Kennedy was a buy-in, wasn't he? I think I don't think he's cut. Yeah. He was sort of homegrown in the same sense. Um, and I think it is time. So we, we saw uh, we, we, we've had the conversation again on Saturday. You know, with a couple of people saying, "Well, you know, we could always go back and get Carlo." Um, you know, I, I I was reasonably fond of Carlo. I think I've always said that he let himself down for me with the Wilkins affair. I think he he. he 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 allowed himself to be he was undermined by that whole thing and didn't do anything about it but I don't see Carlo Ancelotti as a team developer he he tends to go into good teams and make them better but I can't, I'm struggling to think of any players who turn around and go I owe it all to Carlo Ancelotti because he brought me up from the youth team um, and he did give as as I recall two of our youth players a go I think it was um, uh, Gal Kakuta who came on and electrified the ground for about 25 minutes against Wolves uh, yeah. and, and Josh McEachran, um, you yeah. know, who he, I hear people now crying out, you know, who looked very composed and looked looked like he was going to be the real deal. And it was this whole thing that, well, we can't trust these youngsters because we're trying to win something. And now we're not winning something. I think Jose's probably got the gist of it. We're saying, well, OK, we've got nothing to lose now. We might as well play them now because actually the senior players are letting him down and the reason was you know we sort of moved into the kids and I wanted to broach on this subject anyway which was the um and I have a a theory that this will be John Terry's last season I think it will also be Ivanovic's there's two things that strike me about um and why I would say this and it's not a sense of disloyalty because I know I've I've been trolled to death on, on on Twitter about this probably if I mentioned it although I have sort of said that I think it is um and that is, number one, I think Ivanovic um, is now in the 30-plus range, so he would only get offered a year contract. I think that's yeah, he's out of contract. He's out of contract at the end of the yeah, year. They, they I, don't, I think they haven't offered him anything. That, no. That's the most bizarre thing. They haven't yes. offered him a new contract. Yeah, he's no. captain. Yeah, and, and so that's making me wonder whether or not there's, there's some... Something there in that you know perhaps he's, he'll be on his way at the end of the season. Um, on the John Terry thing, um, I, you know, I, I, as sad as it is, we you know they're like old boxers, aren't they? Footballers, they won't admit that they're, they're, they're past it until it's so obvious. And I just think that as fantastic a season he had last year, every season the game moves on, every season that that the pace of the game picks up and play, you know play players get passed by, and I think it's probably happening to him. Um, now, you know, I was going to sort of refer to this. I think I've, I mentioned it to you earlier, Clayton, but um, I, I, I've, I've got a friend who's very close friends with an ex-Arsenal player. This ex-Arsenal player, whose name I cannot mention, um, happens to be black um, and is very well known. Um, he's also very big friends with John Terry. Um, and the information that's sort of come back my way is that John Terry uh, is about to undergo a kind of image transformation over the next few months Uh, there'll be some sort of soft stope the sort of stuff we saw with Wayne Rooney on the TV last night um, in an an attempt um, to rehabilitate his image okay Um, because he's looking for allegedly I'll say it allegedly a post playing career in 
the media. So I'm guessing by that, he'd like to be sat there with the Sky Sports or BT Sports doing a bit of punditry. No bad thing, because there's not many Chelsea players out there that do that. Um, but the involvement of this ex-Arsenal player um, is, in, is, is an integral part of this, because they are such close friends. And this ex-Arsenal player is very keen on making sure that the John Terry image isn't tarnished by any hint of racism. Because, as he says... He's their best mates, they have been for years, and he doesn't know the John Terry that was hung out to you know to dry by the press. Um, so aside from that, if you take the rumour aside, I still think there, there there seems to be a reluctance within our group of fans, not my group of fans, but all of the fans in the you know John Terry, uh, you know Captain Leader Legend, and therefore will go on forever. Um, and that actually, if he plays less this season, and he he. He, he doesn't get another contract at the end of this season, um, then that is in some way denigrating his whole career at Chelsea and it's a bad way for Chelsea to treat him. I don't think it is. I think the club and the fans should accept that this is potentially his last year, shake him by the hand, thank him for everything he did, like we did with Frank Lampard, like we did with Didier Drogba, um, and, and move on. And that's just my personal view. I, I, I have no evidence for it. I just believe that those two players are in their last season with us. Mm. Comments, please, chaps. Well, I, the only thing I would say is it's difficult to know why Terry has been sort of picked out for particular treatment, whether he's looked bad in training and he, and he hasn't been picked, I don't know. But my one concern, and just goes back to leadership, if these guys are going, that's fine. If the club's going to lose them, I'm not particularly happy about certainly losing Terry because I think he can tell people in the dressing room what it's like to, to, to be Chelsea, what it is to be Chelsea, um, and to pass that knowledge down. So I, I prefer him to stay on the coaching staff rather than just be another boring pundit, because if you've ever heard him speak, I can honestly say I, I, I would, I'm not looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> but but the, the point is that we don't appear to be replacing any of these guys with like guys. Now, JT is a one-off. J- JT is an old-style footballer. When Certainly, uh, when I started watching football, every team had a JT. You know, Arsenal had their, their sort of their big centre-halves and Spurs and everybody, Liverpool, all had a big centre-half, a, a skipper, somebody who would lead the side. OK, football's moved on and there's, there aren't those players anymore. But other teams have got leaders, people who go around chivying and bullying. We haven't got anybody. I mean, I think that's part of the problem. When the heads go down, when, when, when something goes against us. I mean, the the seven-minute rant, and I call it a rant, which is quite rude, but, but for anybody to actually speak without a break in seven minutes in a foreign language and make as much sense as Jose did was phenomenal. But when he, when he started going on about Falcao again, that was just absolute bollocks. I mean, you know, that was 50-50. Um, Southampton should have had two penalties I've only seen the Mane incident again and if Mane hadn't have done his sort of swan dive he probably would have got a penalty um, but the, the simple fact of the matter is we, we haven't got any leaders we haven't got somebody to, to sort of go around chivying and I think even after the, the, the racist um, incident with JT I think he's become much quieter on the pitch I think he's a big influence in the dressing room and I think he's a big help but he was, 
you don't see him going around sort of fist pumping and all the rest of it on the pitch. And whether that's affected him, I don't know. And I'd obviously be very, very sorry to see him go. Um, but I, I think he and possibly Branner is time. Donald. Well, I think the problem is Chelsea rode a, a, a sort of core of good players for, for eight or nine years or whatever. You know, some some of them came and went, but there was always this sort of core of players. And in the end, that, that core sort of has to to go. You know, time just takes its toll. Um, you wouldn't have thought watching Terry last year that it would be this year that he'd finish up. You know, it looked like he had another couple of years in him. And who knows, you know, it's so difficult. We're, we're just on the outside of all these things. You know, there's rumours and oh, there's oh, yeah. this and I there's mean, that. I'm you know, and you're... Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not talking about what you're saying. I'm, no. I'm saying you know, there's all sorts of rumours circulate. A successful team, the, the chemistry to a successful team is is so difficult to... to to put together, as we've discussed before, you know, in terms of coaching, in terms of personnel, and it, it, there's, I'm sure there's as much luck in it as there is anything else in, in getting a certain number of, of different characters to all play off each other, uh, both in footballing terms and in in, in psychological terms, in, in knitting together as a team, and we were going to. You know, there was going to have to be a transition. I, I think we, with the kids thing, Ancelotti was asked to go to the well, and I, I think time has shown that that what we thought were kids who were ready to come through weren't, because none of them have ever really. Now, you might say the psychological damage of not getting it done at Chelsea has affected their careers. I, that's a, a point you could make. But in the last couple of years, that there is a crop of youngsters who are now what, entering their early 20s, between 18 and 21 probably, who who have done about as well as you can do in, in terms of matching up against other other youth groups from, yeah. from the elite of Europe. Now, that, that still probably only does produce one or two, maybe three players, four if you're lucky. But it's difficult not to believe that in all those players, not necessarily for this season, but for the next two or three, four seasons, that we can't at least be bringing through through one or two. I mean, that, that team last year, um, I can't remember which age group, is it 18 or 21? Most of them were from, from, from the UK. In fact, most of them were from south of, of Birmingham. Um, and to think, you know, they're all out on loan now and... and Hopefully their development will continue. But to think that that crop of players who, who were able to match anything that Real Madrid or Barcelona or anyone else put on the pitch, that out of that we couldn't fashion two or three players to play at, at least at, at top-level Premier League, if not help into Europe, is difficult to believe. That, that would make me think that there's something awry in how we're bringing players on. I know that most players in any group will go on and, and either go to other clubs or drop out of football, etc. But if we can't at least bring through two or three of those players, I, that would strike me as strange. Well, he didn't, Jose, say it himself. He said that if I can't bring these guys through, then I, I've, I've, I've not done my job properly. I mean, you know, the guys, you're quite right. You're talking about players like Dom Solanke. 
um, who's only just 18. Uh, Lewis Baker, who's done really well on loan. Um, and you've got Nathan Chibola as well. I mean, that, those are just, you know, just the three other guys with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is a this is an amazing, talented squad of players. Um, and we should. I mean, I know they're out on loan and, and there's reasons, and quite rightly so. Uh, so they get game time. But if we can get two perhaps integrated in the squad this year, another two next year, um, we will replace them and hopefully we, we can replace JT. I just want the one point I was going to make is, is that we say um, that there are no leaders there. But, you know, for the last you know few years we've had um, we, we've had uh, JT, uh, Lamps, Ballock, players like that. Okay, um, and it's very hard for somebody probably to stick their head above the parapet and say I fancy being the next leader, captain, call it what you like. Um, and I wonder whether or not that's you know as a direct you know result of having those sort of players around um, and and the dressing room seniority hierarchy that that we all know exists in every club no matter what anybody says um, and whether or not you know I I never would have thought Wayne Rooney ever had the ability to captain uh, anything let alone Manchester United and England um, but he's there um, and he was given the shot at it and 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 has kind of grown into those roles I suppose um, and and. I, I just wonder whether there are that. I mean, you know, Gary Cahill was the captain of Bolton when we bought him. Now I know it's a different club and a different culture and everything, but it's still that position. It was. Can I can I name drop? Yeah, of course. Can I name drop? The other the other week I was on the Chelsea fan cast with Paul Cannaville. Oh, and, of course. Yeah, yes, good good mention. And there were there were two things that he said, both on on this topic. The first thing, which is absolutely priceless, he thought that Costa should be the captain because he said, you know, he's got something about him. He he inspires people and it might keep him out of trouble. The other thing, I, I asked him a question because I said, it, I find it really strange because Gary Cahill is possibly like from looking from the outside, he looks like the quietest central defender I've ever seen he doesn't seem to talk to anybody I'm sure he does but he doesn't ever seem to be a leader and, and his observation was the fact that he perceives that Gary Cahill still can't believe what he's done and where he is yeah. and every time he goes out there he's in awe yeah. of, of, of what's around him so I think that's the problem because I think Cahill would be perfect he's what 28, 29? Uh, yeah something like that I think I mean I I, I I'm a fan of his. He had a bit of a stinker on Saturday, but you know, oh, he, he was not alone in that one. But he he, he performed really really well against um, against Arsenal alongside Zuma. So we just you know, needed Charlie Caroli to make up the back four, didn't we? Really? Yeah. Yes, we did. And I, I, I think it's it's a point. I just think that you know sometimes out of out of situations whereby you lose your leaders, other ones come through that never had that chance to. You know, it, it's the it, it, it's the picking. You know, you, there are people at work. I think I look and think, Christ Almighty. How did you get that senior manager role or whatever and you know within three weeks I'm sitting there thinking ah right okay well you kept your cards close to your chest on that aspect of your uh, of your personality and of your your, your, your qualities you know so I'm not too uh, and maybe they've got a plan for it you know I just think that um, that, that the whole thing is, is 
you know, it, it's a story that's that's coming out of the general disorientation that we're seeing from the club, from the players. You know, I, I tweeted very publicly after the game on Saturday that I felt the players had let Jose down. I didn't think he did anything wrong. Um, the Matic substitution was odd, but let's face it, he has form on making substitutions. We all remember, what was it, Joe Cole off after 15 minutes against Fulham uh, in his first one, I think, or something like that. Um the William one, which everybody booed, and then it turns out that actually he had been advised not to go back out for the second half, but had insisted to Joe say he would try because he'd been vomiting and throwing up with a bit of, uh, um, I can't remember what it's called now, that horrible bloody thing that people get. Um, sickness, sickness. Yeah, sickness. But, uh, it's, it, it, isn't it supposed to be um, that... Um, you, didn't, you didn't know I'd been to medical school. No, the talk? winter vomiting sickness thing or whatever. But anyway, you know, <laughs> sickness. Um, so, you know, I think, I think to me, um, you know, a lot of the... Well, whilst the press and everybody's sort of pointing the, their guns at Jose, which is what Jose would like, um, those players have got to ask some very, very deep questions. And I'm, I get a bit... I've said this to... A, to, to you before, Dana, I get sick of being patronised by players coming out after the games going, we can turn this around, blah, blah. The usual spin, bullshit, call it what you like, you know, instead of coming out saying we played like a bunch of clunkers, we need to go away and sort ourselves out, you know, it, it's it's spin for the fans because they think we're stupid and they it's patronising rubbish and I don't want to hear it, to be honest. Mm. Go off and do your job, don't tell us what you think you should do because I know what you should do. Um, but they, they might argue back to, to say that, you know, that there, that there are extenuating circumstances uh, that they're playing under, which they feel prevents them from doing their job properly. Um, I don't know. I, I, I always think it's handy for the press to, to either coat the manager or coat the players. You know, one minute they're, they're slating the manager and then when the manager gets sacked, someone pundit will sit there and say well the players you know have to look at themselves and we're back to the old you know inflatable schoolboy you've let yourselves down and you've let the club down yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a mixture of things you know Mourinho has got something wrong somewhere I think he, he's so, not, some, yeah, I mean, something I has I, either in the, the, the team that's working with the players on their conditioning or something like that. He's not picking up on on some aspects of, of mental fatigue, perhaps. Perhaps he's, he's not adapting to the, the change in style that's happening in the Premier League. Equally, there are players who may have not followed the fitness programmes or the dieting that they were given for the summer. That then, that, that, there may be a whole host of reasons. Um, but I think it's far more complex than being either his fault or the players' fault, but you know, if 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 you get to the stage where you can no longer get the players playing for you, then you're in in deep trouble, and and they can't get rid of the players because you know we're now in the middle of the season, and you know they're all in the boat together now, and they've got to get on with it. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, yes, indeed. Um, I think. Uh, on that note, I mean, we could talk about this um, as as all good um, podders would do, and all good Chelsea fans um, until until the cows come home. I think we've made some really good points. Um, I just now think I think we just want to move into some Paris. Can, can, I, can I just let you know one, one yes, more little of thing? Yes, of course. Yes, um, 
I was cleaning out the hamster cage this evening, and in preparation for doing this, I uh, grabbed hold of some old newspapers to keep just for this task, and blow me down if I didn't open up the uh, the Evening Standard from I think somewhere in the middle of or late July, where it was referring to. Uh, how uh, Jose had signed this new contract and this would be making all the rest of the football world in the UK shake in their boots. You know, this was bad news for the rest of football because Jose was... And, you know, it just shows you how ironic the whole thing is and uh, yeah. uh, and how quickly the press can turn on someone. You know, they all welcomed him back and now they're all ready to, you know, to to dig the hole and put him in the box. But, Indeed, you know, it's just um, and a good the, reason for people to own hamsters because it allows you to, you know, look back over well, there, there's uh, so over many, old press cuttings. Yeah, and there's so many analogies and, and allegorical kind of tales that you can spin back to your hamsters and the hamster cages, isn't there? And you know, uh, and we, we, I mean, we've we've mentioned you know lots of things before because obviously we like to educate, inform, entertain, etc. We've had references to trains, so why not bring in, um, you know. Uh, domestic small pets. rodents corner. You've, you've talked about badgers. I'm talking about small rodents. In, indeed, indeed. <laughs> um, I'm just going to quickly want to um, bring up the fact that we ought to be congratulating um, the Chelsea ladies, Chelsea women's team, um, on a quite frankly stunning um, victory. They, uh, they beat Sunderland four nil, um, I believe, uh, to pick up the women's Super League um, and for for once put our name back at the top in women's football I think it's a first for us I think it's um, a, a it was a double in fact wasn't it because they won the, the cup they as well earlier. They, they did and and uh, I think um, it all all goes well it's been obviously been quite a bit of investment I think um, you mentioned the fact that um, they are in fact coached by a lady um, and I think the, a woman is how we prefer yes I, I believe I believe I so think. I was just trying to do my little Britain impression there but I think um, yeah, <laughs> uh, being coached by a woman and, and of course I think you had something to say on, on the on the uh, the deafening silence coming from a particular quarter of the FA on that from someone who's usually pretty vocal about anything to do with Chelsea and particularly um, Eva Gates and various things like that um, yeah she talks a lot about uh, women in football and so on and so forth and uh I said to to Tony that we could fill at least um, two minutes of silence as we searched the uh, interweb for Heather Abatt's um, congratulations and mentioning of how it was good to see a a female coach uh, coaching a female team and uh, winning the league when other teams are coached by men. Isn't it all the other teams? I believe it is. It is possibly all the other team, and and uh, a women's team playing for a club whose whose senior executive, you know, there are more women in football than Karen Bloody Brady. Yes, um, and, and one would argue that Marina Granovskaya, as I believe it's pronounced, hmm. um, holds holds somewhat more power than Miss Brady. I don't know, but um, yeah. very good points. Um, so Heather Abatt, wheel me out for a withering quote about Chelsea, appears to uh, to have been strangely silent on this. Yes, indeed. Um, so I think it's big congratulations all round. I think it wouldn't be a bad idea during the international break for our, um, our women's team to um, take the remainder of the men's team who aren't on international duty out and get them absolutely smashed off their faces um, in, in order to try and get them to learn how to enjoy themselves again because the one thing they didn't look like they were doing on Saturday versus Southampton was enjoying themselves. Um, 
Although I think we ought to say for younger listeners that it is possible to enjoy yourself without the use of alcohol. <laughs> yes, and uh, other forms, other forms of um, <laughs> the, um, mind, mind <laughs> yeah, other forms of stimulant are available. Um, yes, and I believe before we move into my final ones, um, that, that Clayton, you wanted to bring in um, something of a, a very worthy nature. Yeah, um, as as probably a lot of people who will listen to this pod or on Twitter will have seen um, the very sad passing of Kirsty Wilson. Um, and she started a petition um, which her dad is um, carrying on, which basically is the cancer drug fund is not fit for purpose and needs to be replaced. Um, and there's a petition which um, is going around. I'm going to say this very slowly. Um the website is https colon forward slash forward slash petition dot parliament dot uk forward slash petition forward slash one oh seven zero four five. Now they have already had um, ten over ten thousand people sign the petition and if you get over ten thousand people um, the government will respond. If the petition gets a hundred thousand pound, a hundred thousand pound, a hundred thousand signatures, it will be considered for debate in Parliament. So, if you haven't signed the petition, it's a, it's a huge amount of people we need. But if you haven't signed it, then then please do so. Um, once Tony has um, put the the pod out onto Twitter, I will um, I'll retweet those details so anybody who wants to do that um, can do it. Well, well said, Clayton. I've I've signed it, and um, I will retweet uh, retweet your one again. I, I retweeted Gary's Gary's one. Um, I, I believe Kirsty was was awfully awfully young. Um, Too young, mate. Yeah, uh, and you know it's uh, it's never a good thing. But um, the, yeah. the way the way that the, the Chelsea and other fans um, have, have uh, responded to this has been absolutely superb, and it yeah. it kind of does sometimes just act as a, a timely reminder that. Um, Football really isn't that important in the great. And, and, and they're not all Alan Davis and Matthew Said. No, <laughs> um, and, and yes, I, I, I did veer this away from Matthew Said because his article was um, pompous bollocks that he wrote. Um, uh, um, the, the man is such a discredited. Um, fuck puppet that I don't really know why he's still employed. Um, I just want to move on. Um, so I'd just like to wish our, my best to uh, to our two missing colleagues tonight. It's nothing sinister. Uh, Mark, um, otherwise uh, known as at So Contrary, um, had something crop up the last minute tonight. Um, otherwise, he would have been on board. Um, and Johnny Dyer is off doing cultural stuff um, regarding books on World War One and research and various things like that. Um, or he's on holiday and just saying that he's doing this other stuff as a guise to get rat arsed in France. Um, I have a feeling I know which one it is. Um, on the final uh, parish notice is um, if you'd like to listen to more of these fabulous ramblings and um, uh, go back in time and listen to some of our predictions and our statements and, and just find out how thick we really are when it comes to talking about football and, 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 and showing ourselves up for a, a complete lack of knowledge on it when, when, when stories have a, a, a complete way of, of being completely 
completely the opposite of what we said. Well, that's probably just me. I think I'm being a bit unfair on Donal, Mark, Clayton, and Johnny there. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. No. Then, then please go back. Um, I've managed to get through all of this without a rant or losing my temper, and it's been a pleasure mm. to host. I believe um, Johnny will be back in a month or so. So, um, with any luck, we'll get this out um, tomorrow, um, and we will probably be recording in a couple of weeks' time. I hope that Clayton can make it. I may well extend an invitation to one or two other fan cast people that um that i am of acquaintance um just to try and jolly things along um we are if you want to check out the website it is um www.poddingshed.com okay and you can find everything there uh, we are also on itunes um under the podding shed just go into your itunes account and um, do a search on the podding shed and if you can give us a five star rating um it probably does nothing at all but it makes us feel a bit better when we when we look back and think um when we're in our rocking chairs in our dotage and think i did that and at least two or three people quite liked what we did um yeah. have you got any I mean, it means our lives aren't a total failure it's really yes. what it means you know yes. it keeps us from yes before we finish um any final points from um from you clayton or you donal I was just going to say um, that one thing I forgot to mention, though I actually mentioned it to you beforehand, was um, we're going to ignore the Muppets who left after the third oh, goal yes. that went in on Saturday. Yes, um, yes, yes, I will yes. give some leeway to those who went scuffling off to watch the um, England the disaster. The egg, the egg choices. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just wanted to say that if anybody was there at the end and was like myself, and I'm not patting myself on the back, but I just I actually really thought it was it was proper Chelsea. The cheers for the team at the end and trying to you know get chants going I, was brilliant. It was a, it was a real goosebump moment, and and you can, one, one can get very sanctimonious, and I'm about to get very sanctimonious um, or sound it anyway. But it it, it was just. I, I felt very proud to sort of just be there and, and cheer for the team. And, you know, if people want to bugger off because we're losing, we'll sod off, go away. I'm not I'm not interested. It, 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 you know, yes. the, the, the word is support. And oh, I hate doing this thing, but I'm going to do it anyway. We were there when we were shit, and, and now we're really enjoying the great times. And, and basically... Anybody under 15 or 20 that supports Chelsea is in a state of complete confusion at the moment because they haven't got a Scooby what's going on because they've never seen this. But the bottom line is, you know, like you guys probably, when we're in the conference in five years' time, I'll still be there. Um, and we'll, we'll probably be playing at Wembley Amateur Stadium rather than the, the, the big one. But, you know, it's, it's all about supporting the team, win or lose. Well said, and I well said, that and I... and one could add that if you are fifteen and very confused, it's only another three years by which time, of course, we will be in the conference. But by then, you'll be able to drink, and none of it will matter because you can <laughs> just go drinking. <laughs> oh, fantastic! I was going to say, um, for me, there's a kind of masochistic streak about this bad run of form, which takes me back walking down um, Nostalgia Avenue to the bleak dark days of the 80s um, and back then we had no hope so therefore when we had no hope nothing could kill us what we have at the moment is an, an abundance of hope and of course as we've said often on this podcast before it's the hope that kills us mm. um, on that note gentlemen I'd like to say thank you very much indeed 
It's yeah. been an absolute pleasure to host, and I hope I get the opportunity to do it again. Um, uh, can, can I just add one thing? Because Clayton's obviously a, a world uh, a, a man who writes about military things and so on. Did did you see the George uh, Hillsden uh, story yeah. that was in in the Daily Mirror, uh, which was quite heartening? Chelsea fans contributing to Greystone for for one of. Uh, sort of pre-war Chelsea heroes. And what yep. struck me was, for a man who was born in Bromley by Bow, and therefore East-ish London, he does bear a bit of a resemblance to John Terry, doesn't he? He does. He does. Do you know, I saw that picture today, and I retweeted it, um, uh, the story from the Mirror. I retweeted it, and I, I think I put something along the lines of, um, uh, all those um, rent boy classless Chelsea fans, eh? And then the link... Um, mm-hmm. And I shared it again on Facebook through the CFC net um, link that, mm-hmm. uh, that went up on Facebook. And the first thing I thought was, was is that a, some sort of doctored Photoshop picture of John Terry to make it look like it was, you know, um, mm-hmm. old, old football was great or something like that? But it was a staggering one. I believe his nickname was actually George Gatling Gun Hill yes. because of the power of his shot. And the very really sweet thing was, is he's, um, I think he's got a grandson who's uh, alive now, who's. Um, uh, whose, whose name is also George, he's a West Ham fan, and, and the words he said, you know, it was, it was the family were absolutely knocked out by this gesture from, from, from the Chelsea fans um, to get this headstone built. So, a great story. I will retweet it again um, mm. for everybody out there, but yeah, a really, really nice story. Um, and on that note, um, yes. it's, uh, we're an hour and 15 minutes in, so we've, we've, even, we've managed to break the amount of time we usually have with four or five of us. So, um, well done, chaps. Um, it's been a th- an absolute pleasure. Um, and um, all it remains for me is to say is we'll see you for the glorious 69. Good night. Good night. Good night.